Be quiet, cut the music. We are back. Episode 18, two back-to-back themed episodes. We got everyone minus Howlin and Garrett Amato. The Brain Trust is no longer with us for this week. They were laid off for reaching on Greg Brown. So breaking news here, Aaron Rodgers, incredibly, is not hosting Jeopardy yet, nor leaving the Great White North. So I thought we'd have Schultz kind of kick it off and talk about that one. I'm excited. Glad he's here. It's kind of what we're all expecting uh, as the fan base. It was either Aaron Rodgers was going to play. There were two options. He was either going to play or he was just going to sit on the bench slash like retire for the year. So I'm glad that he's showing he's competitive and he's going to be playing for the Packers. Um, Waiting on that Randall Cobb trade to be official. I'm actually pretty excited for that. I mean, it's just so ridiculous that he's just like, yo, guten cunts. Like, if I'm coming back, you are getting me. Randall Cobb and honestly I read that he wants Randall Cobb wants to restructure his contract so I'm thinking he's he might take a a pay cut and then just have 2022 guaranteed so he has like two years on his contract but they're both guaranteed instead of a team option on that second one which honestly as Randall Cobb being a third or a fourth option on a team uh, and it keeps hopefully Aaron Rodgers there for at least one more season maybe even two it's good business. Randall Cobb's a great leadership guy in the locker room for the Packers. I don't know how you feel about him aids on as a Texan, but yeah. he was a great player for green Bay. He's also a bear killer. So uh, glad to have him. That picture of Aaron Rodgers wearing his, the office t-shirt yeah. walking into the stadium was hard <laughs> as hell. And I'm really excited to, and I'm just glad that uh, our season tickets are back up to face value at the minimum. So that's cool. Give me uh, in regards to Randall Cobb, I will take Anthony Miller over Randall Cobb uh, at the moment, just for our team. Um, His contract too, pretty ugly. Hopefully he renegotiates. He's due 8.25 million this year with a $10 million cap hit. And then next season he's due 7.875 million with a $10 million cap hit, but there is an out with only 2 million worth of dead cap if you cut him. So Mm -hmm. overall it's a, Rather interesting that he made the request he did, but I'm all for it, man. That's uh, I can't remember a player saying, hey, if you want to keep me, you need to go out and get this guy. <laughs> like, I think I think the last time I remember that was uh, – it reminds me of, like, LeBron James uh, having the Heat draft uh, Shabazz Napier and then leaving the Heat that same offseason. <laughs> it, it, I'm getting kind of similar uh, – Similar vibes where it's like this player is just clearly not of that quality where it's like, yo, we need this guy. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, yeah, I'll stay. Uh, in other news, one thing that is dead, the Big 12 effectively, Oklahoma and Texas have left for SEC and college football as we know it is uh, kind of on the – it's kind of on the ropes here. It's definitely uh, teetering on the edge. Uh, how, do, how are we uh, feeling about those developments over there? Uh as a fan of a team, the SEC, hate to bring two powerhouses into the conference, but I think it's kind of leading on to what the future of college football will be, where it'll most likely probably break from the NCAA and become its own entity of some sort. Um, I think we'll kind of see these bigger conferences kind of merge into way bigger conferences, and they'll just kind of – I don't really know what the format will be, but I think it'll probably get down to maybe four conferences where they just pick up some of the bigger group of five teams as well as these extra big 12 teams. Uh, 
after 2025, which it seems as though Texas and Oklahoma are trying to accelerate this process and get in the SEC as soon as possible. Definitely won't be this year because, I mean, the schedules and everything are already out, but I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how these Big 12 teams react, such as like Kansas and Baylor. Um, I mean, Kansas, historically, very good basketball program. Baylor just won the national championship. I think there will be some conferences out there that are definitely going to value that um, instead of just watching them fade away into kind of an American conference as the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma. It kind of reminds me of is back when college hockey had that one super dominant uh, hockey conference. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember Jack Becker. Shout out Jack Becker if you ever listen to this. was telling me about it, and they had it was pretty much all of the Minnesota teams. I think, like, North Dakota was in there. Um, it was just all the best teams, and pretty much any player that wanted to go to the NHL, you were going to that college, uh, one of those colleges in that conference. Otherwise, like, you were bad. Pretty much. And that's kind of how the SEC Big 12 merger type thing that's about to happen is going. Luckily, we still have the Big 10, which I think the Big Ten's way too like stubborn to ever like fold to just be like, hey, we'll do whatever the SEC wants to do uh, unless there's a lot of money involved. Um, Another thing you have to think about is basketball. So I think if the NCAA does hold that card, kind of there are other sports. So let's say the SEC is like, hey, we're going to do our own thing, like you were mentioning, Ben. I don't think the NCAA will let them compete in all these other sports, so they're going to lose a ton of revenue. Like, Kentucky will never want to do that. They'd leave. There's some other schools like Vanderbilt. They'd leave. Obviously not the big football powerhouses, but there's even the football powerhouse teams have that revenue that they're going to lose from the other sports if that happens. Because um, I can't imagine the NCAA would just be like, yeah, you guys can go start your own thing. Uh, I would assume it would be kind of like the Super League that the soccer owners tried to create this year, just because it kind of ruins the whole integrity of college football. I think the college football playoffs were a good uh, step to make the NCAA more watchable and in terms of a playoff format. And I think as long as the NCAA keeps moving on that direction, it should be fine. Now, in terms of the SEC Big 12 teams or uh, like Texas and Oklahoma moving, I don't really care um, in terms of a comp- competition standpoint. Um, what I do care about is how the Big 12 is going to be affected. So I guess I do care. I don't know what I was saying with that last sentence. But I do care because I think it's ruining some of the rivalries. For example, Texas Tech's kind of getting screwed there. Um, it's just going to make them out of conference rivalries, kind of like the Missouri-Kansas one that – was a thing and then wasn't a thing and now is a thing again and now isn't a thing where they kind of go back and forth. Um, But yeah, I kind of feel bad for those teams like Kansas and Baylor that definitely care about other sports more. So I guess we'll see. I just wanted to rant about nothing. So my apologies for that. So while while you were doing that, I was looking up that uh, hockey conference. (laughs) Uh, It's the National Collegiate Hockey Conference and they have uh, University of Denver, North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth, Colorado College, Miami University, University of Nebraska, Omaha State, Cloud State University, and Western Michigan University. So they have an obscene amount of championships in there. They have the that's, that's the new one. Yeah. So that there's came out an, in, there's an old one that was well, even so more. Insane it came out that. in it came out in 2013. 
Yeah, there was uh, one before or, that that had even yeah. better teams. Like before the Big Ten existed, before the Big Ten had a hockey team or okay. a hockey conference. But yeah, this one has Denver and North Dakota each have eight championships, which is second most in the whole thing. Just just nuts. All right, so college hockey somehow came up in a conversation on here. I was not <laughs> expecting that to ever happen. Uh, one thing also that we were like not necessarily too blindsided for, like we were college hockey, uh, the U.S. men's team dropped a rather large game to France uh, in what has been a disappointing run, to say the least, for, uh, for Greg Popovich and that squad. Yeah, I think that the team kind of found its rhythm towards the end of those exhibition games against Spain. And then just the way that the schedule aligned with the finals still going on while the team was traveling over there, I think they're still kind of getting back in that groove and getting the chemistry with adding three new players that are definitely going to have big roles on that team. Um, I think that's always a big part in – these games is just getting that chemistry down because a lot of these guys don't play together all the time. And, you know, especially as these international teams get better and better with more NBA players on them, it's going to be more difficult for the U S to just go out there and dominate without really having that true chemistry. I think the U S definitely had a chance to win that game at, against France if they just would have hit one of those three threes that they had wide open. Um, it seems like they're struggling, like, with the ball. I don't know if the size is different or just, like, different, like, texture or whatever, but it seems like they're just throwing up bricks with that FIBA ball. And I don't know. I think Iran should be an absolute bounce back. Um should definitely dominate those guys. And if we don't, then there's definitely some, a lot of concern there. Yeah. I I think losing to France too, if there were, I was talking about this earlier. I think France probably is the, given the way that current teams are played out, France is, was definitely the most likely. I don't know if Spain would be able to, uh, Spain could probably beat France easier. Um, but just because with France, you cannot drive to the rim because Rudy Gobert is allowed to stand there because there's no defensive three seconds. So if your outside shots aren't falling down and you don't have a big that can stretch the floor, you're kind of screwed against them. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll be all right. Um, definitely very disappointing, though, thus far. I don't know if you can really place the blame. On some people, I think there's a lot of fatigue showing, though. Not with Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday literally got off of a plane and then started picking up people full court <laughs> like less than 24 hours after landing, which is just insane to me, but that speaks to the type of player that he is. So we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. Chris Middleton's going to get a lot more minutes, too. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he went to Popovich and said, like, I'm gassed right now. Give me give me a game or so to get my feet underneath me here, but he should take a decent chunk of those Kelton Johnson minutes. I would think, cause he played, that's the one thing Kelton played too much uh, in my opinion. And yeah, just, it sucked because whoever Popovich put in, it just wouldn't work. Levine was working for a little bit. He stopped. Tatum was not playing well for much of that. Durant got into foul trouble and then couldn't get his rhythm back. It was just a perfect storm 
really, to end up knocking. I'm just happy it happened in the first game of the group stage and not in the knockouts. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, there was also a pre-draft trade. Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe went to the Grizzlies with number 10 overall. Uh, Memphis gave them back Jonas Valanciunas in number 17 overall. So that was a pretty interesting one. Bledsoe's probably gone. Uh, overall, fan of it. I'm assuming Giddy's. it's sounding like Giddy is the pick for Memphis, which is a interesting fit there. Yeah, um, I don't like that. It's, it's a weird one. It's definitely a weird one. I don't – I didn't necessarily see anyone unless they think Moses Moody is going to be there or something like that. But to me, this trade really signals, one, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get an opportunity to show he's worth it because he's due for a contract extension, I'm pretty sure, after this year. Um, so he'll get an opportunity to show he's worth whatever he ends up demanding in free agency. And Steven Adams, too, he'll help. I'm amazed Steven Adams. I mean, obviously, I'm an OKC fan, so I know he hasn't played for Memphis, but that is like the prototypical grit and grind Memphis Grizzly right there is Steven Adams. Guy cannot shoot for his life, but he will absolutely body you and just wear you down throughout the game. So that's going to be – it's going to be cool seeing John Steven Adams running pick and rolls the entire year. That should really bring out a lot of the best in both of them. So on to more trades. MLB trade deadline here. Uh, as of now, it is July 27th. So that's Tuesday at 624. We have a trade that got canceled, essentially, with the Phillies. Uh, we made a trade with the Pirates. That trade went down because of a prospect failing a physical. So we're not going to talk about that one. But there are three deals that have already gone through that are of note. First one I'm going to talk about. I'm doing a solo run on this shit. Uh, Nelson Cruz got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays and absolutely turned around kind of the trajectory of our offense. Uh, the return for uh, Minnesota, honestly, was really good with Joe Ryan and Drew Stroutman. Joe is uh, Joe's starting game one for the U.S. Olympic team, actually. Uh, I think that's a day or two away from now. So he's going to be a top 10 prospects in their system. Uh, overall, just a rapid, rapid riser. And Strootman, too, should be due sometime soon up in the majors. So that's pretty good return, all things considered, for a half-year rental. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, second trade, uh, Andrew Chafin uh, got traded for two prospects with Oakland. Uh, the one, Greg Dykeman, Deekman, whatever. Don't know how to say his name. Triple-A uh, outfielder. Decent OPS. And then Daniel Palencia, who I think I read was like a 21-year-old who was in high 90s already. Yeah. So, uh, Kylie, you want to you wanna hit on that one? Yeah, I think this is pretty decent return for a guy that we just signed this past offseason. He kind of turned his career around. Not like he was falling off, but he had been really good before, and he kind of really found his groove again in Chicago, and we sold high on him. Uh, I think Dykeman was like the ninth A's prospect that they had. Uh, I don't know where he'll fit in with the Cubs, but good corner outfielder with good contact and on base. So, I mean, that's always helpful at the top of lineups. And I'm excited for this uh, Palencia guy. He wasn't rated in their system, but if he's already sitting like 97 as a 21-year-old in high or single A, um, 
I think there's definitely a lot of room to potentially become a superstar if he gets the right um, coaching under him. So pretty, pretty uh, excited about that return for a, a guy that I wasn't expecting us to get too much out of, especially with the other names that we are throwing out there. Yeah, that's, that's a, definitely a good start to the deadline for, I, I would say for both of the teams, honestly, being able to get the returns that they got. Uh, then one, which was kind of a questionable return, I would say to some, uh, Adam Frazier got traded to the Padres for three prospects within the Padres system. Notably, none of those prospects were seen as being in the big four for the Padres system, which we'll touch on a little bit towards the end here. So, yeah, where does where do you guys think Adam Frazier is going to slot in, and do you think Pittsburgh made out okay in this one? I think Frazier is going to be all right. Uh, for the Padres, he's obviously having a great season, but his advanced stats don't really <clears throat> say that he's as good as he is uh, statistically, uh, just his face value stats. So I think, honestly, the value that the Pirates got from him is probably fair just based off the advanced stats. However, Frazier was an all-star starter this year, uh, he's been having a great season, don't get me wrong. I, it just doesn't look like that. It might be sustainable. So um, I feel like the Pirates probably could have gotten more just based off of the fact that Frazier has looked good this season. Um, but I think the reason why he, they underpaid is, or why they got less than, they, than we think is because of what I just said with those advanced stats. Um, as far as Frazier's fit, I could see him playing. He can pretty much play anywhere. He can play middle infield or any of the outfield positions. So I think he's a pretty good utility guy. Uh, he can give Tatis days off. He can play second. He can give Cronenworth days off. Cronenworth can go play uh, first base, right? Cronenworth plays first. He plays everywhere. Yeah, so I, I feel like Cronen – I honestly think <laughs> – I honestly think Cronenworth probably ends up at first and Frazier second, like in terms of their best options, just because Hosmer has been pretty average to below average um, for the Padres. So I think that's where Frazier ends up. But I also see Frazier moving around uh, just because he's a very talented guy. He can play outfield, infield. Um, so let, let's, like let's talk Hosmer here then. That was the other one that got brought up. Who do you think – they're looking to move Hosmer. And I would not be surprised if a deal gets done sooner rather than later to move off of his money just because of how close they are to the luxury tax. And they're looking for another starter too. Um, so what types of teams do you think would take Hosmer. The one, the only one that really came to mind for me was like the Kansas City Royals, where if you throw in one of those big four prospects, like a Campusano, uh, Mackenzie Gore, I don't think you'd need to move Gore to move off of him. But uh, one of those big four guys, I think a team like Kansas City, for example, that would be a perfect landing spot for him. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. You go, Kyler. I, just I agree with that. Um, I was just looking also. I think a team like Detroit or potentially like Baltimore, teams like that that don't really have like high payroll right now and are very far away from competing could kind of eat up those years for I – I know he's still got a few more years on his contract. I'm sure there's an opt-out either way um, at some point during that. But I think – one of those teams that's not really close to competing, still kind of waiting on their prospects to come up, especially if they get another prospect uh, along with Hosmer. Um, and I think maybe if he kind of goes to a situation like that where 
you know, not a lot of pressure. They're not expected to win. He's kind of the main guy because the team's not very good. I think that could kind of help him maybe resurrect his career a little bit. Um, I think he kind of just got super overhyped going over to the Padres for such that big deal. And now they're, you know, they got all these stars and he's just kind of meddled in the mud. Um, I think this could kind of give him an opportunity research his career a little bit and potentially get moved maybe from one of those teams to a contender in a few years or so. Yeah. So with his contract really quick, he hits, uh, he's 20, do 20 million this year. He's due 20 million next year. He has an opt out after next season. He will not take that. I'm going to tell you that right now, but his salary goes down to 13 million for the next three seasons. So you've got him signed through when he's 35 years old. He's not horrible. Like he's like a 266 batter, but I think the biggest issue, like what you alluded to, is there's so much other talent in that lineup that needs that bats more than he does, and they don't have the benefit of a DH. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to bench him for playing some of those other guys and leave this really hefty contract on your bench at the risk of not upgrading that rotation because Blake Snell sucks, or are you going to? move one of those younger guys. I had to throw in the Blake Snell slander there. I uh, <laughs> I love the guy, but man, is it a, it's interesting. Really makes you think seeing things like that. Uh, Schultz, anything to add on to that one? No, you guys got it. I, I don't think Hosmer is going to be really affecting any MLB teams for pretty much the remainder of his career. So yep. I think it's more the contract moving. Yep. However they move them, they're going to be giving up a prospect with it. So, And it, I think it has to be one of those big four teams too. I because if, if the Padres don't move that contract, it severely hamstrings what they're able to do. So some team would be willing to accept that. So we're, we're going to move on here. Uh, just buyers and sellers for predicting uh, how the deadline is going to play out. I have three teams listed here. You guys are more than welcome to bring up other teams here. So right now we have the Braves, we have the Indians slash Guardians, and we have the Angels. So we'll start with the Braves. What are the Atlanta Braves looking to do at the deadline? I think they should hold Pat. I think they have enough young talent where they don't need to necessarily rebuild. Obviously they have Acuna, they have Albies, they've got, and they have Freeman. I, and I don't think you need to move on from guys like Freeman who are a little older that would get you that big payout. If anything, if I'm the, if I'm the Braves, I'm trying to find somebody who, who has two years of control. Uh, that's what I'd be looking for because I don't think they're necessarily contenders this year, but they could be definitely contenders next year. So I'm looking for a pitcher with multiple years of control that you can get either cheap or for a little bit of a price, give up a few prospects. I don't think they should be selling, though. I guess that's uh, where I'm standing with the Braves. I think they're too talented of a roster. I just think they've had a bad season. Uh, some players have maybe had off seasons. Um, but in general, I think the Braves, I think they need to target pitching if they're going to be buyers, just because that's definitely their weak point. So right now Atlanta is five games out of the NL East. Philly is three and a half games out of the NL East with the Mets leading right now. So it's not like they're dead in the water, but if you're in the NL and you're not one of those three NL West teams, you're only making it by winning your division at this point. So next up, we'll we'll go to Cleveland here. Uh, Cleveland right now, eight and a half games back in the AL Central, sitting at 49 and 48. There are also five games back of the Oakland Athletics for the wild card, which not too much, but 
they have three teams ahead of them that currently would not make the playoffs in the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Mariners. So a lot of work for them. What is Cleveland looking to do here this deadline? Buy, sell, or stand pat? This is tough. I would potentially look to sell here. I think there's a lot of teams that in the AL that are going to be pushing for that wild card. Um, I mean, AL East and AL West arguably have four teams each that are going to be pushing for the wild card. I think, you know, you're going through that whole name change and – kind of that transition out of the Francisco Lindor years. Um, you know, I think they could kind of get a resurgence to that roster, maybe bring in some guys. I'm sure they would get a ton for Jose Ramirez. Um, you know, there's definitely an argument to buy with Bieber coming back eventually. If they do kind of get hot, they can make a push, especially with your ace coming back. But – you know, I I like when teams are rebranding to restart, get a fresh start going. Um, I think that just kind of helps the rebrand of sorts. You don't have the same bland roster going out there with a whole new look and kind of vibe. So I would like to see them sell, but I'm not sure I, you can just move Jose Ramirez like that. He's a top top third baseman in the league. He's also still got – so if you're moving Jose Ramirez, you would get this season plus two additional seasons. So the second Jose Ramirez gets thrown onto the market, in my opinion, he immediately becomes the most valuable guy. Easily, 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 easily. And India, the Indians' uh, ownership has proven time and again that they're cheap and they will not pay Ramirez. So if you're not going to pay him, you might as well get a bunch of guys that are going to be under team control mm-hmm. for the next 10 years. I'm with you, Kylie. I think they should sell. They have, <clears throat> they have uh, one of the biggest pieces, if not the biggest piece in the MLB that you can sell with, with Jose Ramirez. Uh, they're going to get a big haul with him. I think they could probably get something out of Eddie, Eddie Rosario too. Um, and even, I don't know how Plezak's been doing this year, but I know he's been solid. In the past, let me look. Four, three, five. Eh, probably not great. He's been it's on. Too, their whole yeah. rotation's been hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like if Saval was wasn't injured, I would say sell him uh, and build just the staff around Bieber. Um, and they have two really good closers that are both young yeah. under a ton of team control. Um, so I wouldn't. I would have a tough time selling them because you both you have Karinchak and Klasse. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, under contract until 2026, they have pretty much all team control between both of those guys. So that's the tough part is you do have that young core. I Like Ahmed Rosario also has a lot of team control left. So that's the other thing. You could sell. You could buy and then build around Jose Ramirez, like you said, with the, with the contract. But I just think uh, given the pass with the Indians and uh, their reluctance to pay players – you might as well sell Jose Ramirez uh, while he's at his highest with this extra years of contract uh, team control. What do you think it needs? I think Cleveland doesn't have all that much to sell that they'd be willing to part with. Um, I think you write it out with Jose and you bring Jose into next year's team just simply because it's not like he's, I don't believe he's ARB eligible. Yeah, no, he's 
club options for the next two years. So, you know, the amount that you're going to be paying him. Um, and that team's been very hurt this year. Like their entire day one starting rotation as of like two weeks ago was not in their rotation anymore due to being on the injured list. So they've been absolutely ravaged by injuries. Uh, the nice thing about it, if you get that substantial prospect haul for Jose Ramirez, you take it. But I don't think it's the type of thing that they actively start looking for until this upcoming offseason, just simply because there's the market's pretty clouded. And I don't know if that offer is going to produce itself from any of those teams, just I, because Jose would he'd be a great addition. But the teams that are looking for that corner infielder, just off the top of my head, I don't think that they have the farm systems as of now or the money to necessarily be able to go out and get a get a Jose Ramirez here. Um, they're kind of they're kind of screwed to me. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything at this deadline, uh, buying or selling, because I look at that team just given the injuries, given the position players. I don't think a lot of those guys have the value that teams are going to be looking for. I think Fran Reyes would, but they aren't bad enough to the point where they would trade him. If they were, then he would be the one of the most valuable bats on the market right now, but he isn't. So we're going to move on here. Los Angeles angels. This is another to me, extremely tough one, surprisingly tough one too. You'll notice how the Seattle Mariners did not make this list. That's because I feel pretty comfortable saying that they're going to be buyers um, there were a few other teams too that I decided to not include, uh, the Yankees being one of them, uh, the Blue Jays, just kind of those like middle Cincinnati, for example, uh, those teams to me, those are all pretty clear buyers to me, uh, pretty well defined Cincinnati, I guess is the, be the closest maybe to not being yeah. a buyer. I don't, we'll I see don't how really this Cubs series goes for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, a lot of answers need to happen quick. So for now, let's focus on the angels. What are the angels looking to do here? Uh, I mean, they've just got a lot that the only thing you can do is buy pitching. I think um, you've got so many talented bats and it just hasn't been going well because they just don't have those arms. And I mean, I don't know. It, I feel like it'd be impossible to get any return that's equal to moving Otani or Trout, which they wouldn't do, I don't think. But, um, like, they're just in such a weird position with how much talent they have and how much, you know, they've invested in this team where you just kind of negate pitching. And that's a very important part of the game. And it's definitely showing and affecting this team. I know they've got some pretty decent pitching prospects, but this team's in win-now mode. They got to get Trout back, which should be relatively soon. Um, I mean, Otani's absolute animal. I don't. I haven't really been keeping up with Rendon this year, but he's definitely got the bat talent if he gets hot. Um, so, I mean, it's there. I would maybe buy on like a pretty – like not have to give up a ton pitcher that's available. Um, just kind of see where that goes. I I, I would kind of stay in pat if I was them. Buy low on a pitcher. Hope that he kind of figures it out with them. But, yeah, they just got to get healthy and back 
I think for, for that team specifically, I think the trade targets you're looking at to receive from that team, if they were to sell, Alex Cobb, I think, is as good as gone. Um, to me, this the starting pitcher market to me is pretty weak, all things considered. Uh, bullpen guys, decent. Middle infielders, decent. But starting pitchers, just not – the star power isn't as there as it normally is. Obviously, you have Scherzer, but, you know, when Kyle Gibson is one of the top names mentioned, that kind of shows you what this starting pitcher class is going to look like. So I think Alex Cobb is probably gone. And then past him, you're really looking at like Iglesias and Steve Ciszek, who I don't know if they would move on from. Uh, but to me, uh, I would move Cobb. I think the Rays are certainly going to look at Alex Cobb again as a right-handed starter, um, which that would be really coming full circle here. But uh mm-hmm. I think if they do move someone like Alex Cobb, you call up Reed Detmers from AAA and just let him ride out the season in the majors. Or, you know, do you trade for one of those lower-end guys, kind of like what the Yankees did uh, with the Pirates. I don't even remember who they, what the guy's name was, but his numbers were horrible, but his peripherals were really good. So um, I think that's the route that they should go. Overall, I think next year's next year has to be the year for them. Uh, yeah. Or else you're – you're not you trading Otani, but you gotta like. It, it's been too long for them. Um, same with Seattle too. That's why I feel so comfortable about Seattle being a contributor. I feel like that franchise has said for so many years, like, oh, our, like we're getting ready for the future. Like our days coming. Like few years down the line, few years down the line, you gotta pull the trigger at this point. You're mm-hmm. a game or two above 500. Uh, they're six games out of the West and one game back of the wild card right now. Like. There's no time like now, like they're going to go for it. And I feel like you have to. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on the Angels here, Schultz? Or are we good to move on to miscellaneous players? The Angels are just like the most frustrating team in the MLB every year. They just they're waste they're, they waste the best player of all times career pretty much. That's what they've been doing for the past ten years. Which is really disappointing. I, if I was going to trade anybody that wasn't a pitcher on that roster, I think Justin Upton would be the only person that I would move on from that would pull any value. And even that, you'd be getting like a middle-tier prospect for him. So, like, I don't know if that's even worth it at that point. I think it probably could be, but I don't know. The Angels just are – they're always frustrating, man. There's, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot there to be had on that team. Um, like a significantly worse position than what Cleveland's in. Because Cleveland, it's like, oh, they have the guys there that they will – like it's reasonable to say Jose Ramirez is going to get traded at some point, but mm-hmm. the value doesn't match up. Whereas with these guys, it's like those guys don't exist, and the value is just like it, it will never exist. Um, it just doesn't make sense to yeah. trade Trout ever. All right, on to players now. Uh, we have a list of a few miscellaneous players. I am constantly checking my phone just to make sure that no one's getting traded <laughs> as I'm speaking because uh, that happened last time towards the end of the pod with uh, Cruz, so that was pretty cool. Uh, number one, Joey Gallo, staying or going? And if so, where is he going to? He's gone with the wind. And I could see the Yankees making a push for him. Uh, they need – bats of any sort, especially left-handed bats. Um, I also read that the Brewers are interested in him. I think that could be an option just because he can play first, third, and outfield all at very high levels. Um, and he'd fit the left-handed, like the Brewers need some power. Uh, 
wherever he goes, he's going to make an impact, and he's going to have a little bit of a halt. I think – is he under control? Uh, or is he a free agent? I think he, he, he might have one year left. But regardless, he's, he's as good as gone, no matter where he goes, because there's no reason for the Rangers to keep a hold of Joey Gallo, in my opinion. Yeah, so he's due for ARB3 uh, this offseason, and then he's a free agent after that. Guy's only – he's 28 next season, and he'll be hitting unrestricted free agency for his 29-year-old season. Okay. Like you're so, gonna, yeah, I mean, they'll, yeah. get, they'll get a good haul for him. I don't know if the As, Brewers have the prospects. So. Do you think the Padres like make a play on him? Because I know he, he was in discussion with the Padres. I don't, yeah. th- I don't think they need him, though. Like, just I, like, they shouldn't be focusing on him. No. Just get some bullpen arms if I'm the Padres. That's pretty much all I'd be focused on. Agreed. Uh, Kylie, what about you? Joey Gallo. Yeah, he definitely is an attractive left-handed bat, which is definitely something that teams value. I think a contender should definitely make a move for him. Um, uh, I I could see the Red Sox potentially. They've kind of have not had that production from the first base position. You can kind of lock him in at that position and – He'll be a consistent left-handed bat against righties. I'm sure they've got a bench option that they could throw in here and there against uh, lefties if need be because he does struggle against lefties, at least historically. I think he's having a better year average-wise this year. But, yeah, he's got to be attractive to some of these teams. And, I mean, the Rangers are blown up, so – there's no reason to keep him. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of in the same boat as you guys. I think the Yankees are the absolute perfect position. Uh, you're pl- you're acquiring not only a lefty power bat for Yankee Stadium, which currently does not exist on that roster, which is just mind-boggling to me, but you're also getting a gold glove caliber outfielder who can yeah. play a few positions. Like, he can play third or first for you as well. So It feels so random that he's a – but he's a gold glove caliber outfielder. It's never like, talked just, about. It doesn't make sense. Like, I didn't really know that until I started reading about him. Like, this guy's good at defense. Like, it's just, like he, he hits home runs, gets on base, and plays good defense. He, he's it. the most three-true outcome player in the league, I'm pretty sure. It's him and Mike Zunino. Um, it's, it's crazy. So, moving on to the next Ranger here, Kyle Gibson. I thought Kyle Gibson was significantly younger than he was. Uh, anyone want to guess how old Kyle Gibson is? 31. Damn, close. 33. Damn. He's, he's 33. I thought he was like 29. Uh, also from Greenfield, Indiana. Didn't know that one. Uh, Kyle Gibson, where is he ending up? He's either going to be with you in Tampa or I could see him Boston or he's another Brewers guy that I've been seeing put around. Uh, but I think the Rays have the most to give to get him. So I'm going to go with the Rays because you guys need some starting pitching help. Indeed. Um, I could see the Mets potentially making a move for him. They need some help starting pitching. Um, they're, I think he's definitely going to come at a premium. He's having a really good year, and I think the Rangers will sell high on him. I don't think they were necessarily expecting him to be this good, and might as well take advantage of it. 
hot take. I'm saying Brewers. Uh, I don't, I don't think the Rays uh, are going to go for him necessarily. I think the some of the more recent numbers. He's struggled with the Detroit Tigers really bad, and that team's been awesome too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, after their horrid start, but he struggled with Detroit really bad, and it's done a number on some of his peripherals and ERA. That's the word of the day for me, peripherals. Um, <laughs> but he he's under control for another year, which can be valuable to some. But for Tampa, I don't really think that's the most valuable at the moment because let's say Glasnow doesn't need Tommy John, or let's say he does, you still have the majority of like you still have some really good arms coming back next year. You would have Yarborough, you would have Patino returning, you would have Brendan McKay, Yanni Chirinos from the IL that haven't even pitched this year, Shane McClanahan, who's been a stud this year. So they aren't necessarily looking for long controllable starters unless there's one of those guys going out the door for a different deal. So I'm going to say he's definitely gone. I'm going to say Milwaukee is the destination. I don't know how much he ends up costing. I think if there's a bidding war, you could get like a top maybe 50, top 60 guy for him. Um, but without that existing, existing, I don't see it happening. So someone I do see a top 50 guy going for, uh, should he be available? It's crazy to me that we're even having this conversation. Uh, Byron Buxton, who hasn't played a game in like what feels like a century, is allegedly on the trading block and in discussions here with being moved after turning down a Aaron Hicks-like extension with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I think that they were potentially going to think about keeping him until he turned down that extension. And with where they're at right now, I think they should blow it up. Got a few aging guys and Bucks and just can't stay healthy. Might as well he, I mean, when he was healthy this year, he was doing really good. I think some teams will kind of fall for that. And, I mean, I can't necessarily think of a destination necessarily. Um, I think with Buxton, he's going to – he could move into any outfield and probably be the starting center fielder, just mm-hmm. that speed. Uh, in terms of all the contenders, I don't – let me think. Let's look before I make some wild accusations. Uh, Red Sox, probably. White Sox, probably. Astros, probably. Mets, probably. Brewers, yes. Yeah, he would be a starting center fielder at any of those teams if they wanted to push for him. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily worth the price anybody or that the Twins are probably going to be asking for him just based off of this season. I'd, I'd just be nervous about regression with Buxton because it's the first time that he's ever been so consistent at the plate. Um, and his, and I also hate him because he was so annoying to play against in the show for the first like two months of the season. Um, but I do agree. I think once he turned down the contract, it's just, it also kind of hurt their leverage with him yeah. uh, after he turned that contract extension down. So I, I'm not really sure where he'll go, but I think he'll probably be on the move. Uh, Twins would be dumb to keep him if he's not, wanting to stay there. You might as well get some pieces for him if you're blowing up the franchise anyway. I think you keep him until the offseason, kind of like a Jose Ramirez situation, and then you look to move him at that point. Um, just simply because his value is always going to remain high. Uh, assuming – I'm not thinking he'll play regular 
uh, regular games for a while, just given how injured he's been. So I feel like they could get a lot of value for him during the offseason. I don't think they're going to be in a rush necessarily for, for I just think him. he's such a sell-high candidate that like you kind of need to bank on that now. He, he is, but with how injured he, he's been, um, I don't know if you necessarily can sell high. And to me, that Twins team is a lot better than – Oh, they underperformed so – so much and that's that's why i'm leaning towards you keep him next year and then see you know if he doesn't accept the extension fine move move on from him then at that point but i feel as if you don't need to blow up everything here uh i know donaldson was in discussions and then the next guy we'll talk about barrios is in discussions i'm saying buxton stays barrios on the other hand i'm barrios he's gone to me uh i feel as if there's He's kind of in that Kyle Gibson tier of a starting pitcher that could get value that realistically could be on the move here. Um, yeah. So his contract right now, he's sitting at uh, – he's on a $6 million deal right now, entering arbitration three in the offseason. To me, I'm looking at West Coast teams for that, right? So you've got San Diego and the Dodgers here that I think could absolutely use a righty arm like him to pretty much supplement their run for the postseason here. I agree. I think he'll probably get a pretty solid haul. Barrios has been one of the best pitchers in the MLB, in the NL Central, or AL Central, especially for a while. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the Dodgers and the Padres are probably the top two. Some other ones that I could see are the Red Sox and the Astros. Um, they both kind of need to up their pitching, especially the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are going to be in play for pretty much every starter that's available. Yep. Um, whether or not they can, they have enough to, because I know the Dodgers and the Padres definitely have a little better farm system than the Sox. I'm pretty, I'm 90% sure about that. I could yes. be wrong, but yep. Um, so I see the Dodgers. I think Barrios is one of the better options. I I kind of like him better just from the control standpoint. I think he'll be definitely more of a haul than Gibson. So, uh, yeah, I think he's as good as gone. I agree with you, Aids. Anything on that one, Kylie? Yeah, like I said, I think Twins should trade uh, whoever they can. I think he'll definitely be valuable to any contender. I agree. I think the Red Sox would be a good destination. Also, um, the Dodgers with Bowers' whole situation, uh, you kind of get another definitely not as talented, but a high-end potential starter. And I think that – these starters that are on the block are going to return some higher value than typically um, because there's less starters on the block. And I think, I mean, it's definitely a premium position. I think some teams might potentially overpay because of the lack of options that are available. Agreed. Donaldson is another one. We won't necessarily get into him. uh, Rogers, Taylor Rogers. I think he's oh, gone. Yeah, that's right. I've heard, so he just got added to the IL today. I saw that, but I still think you should trade him. I I agree, but I think the IL is really gonna. That's gonna What's throw. It, do you things. know what it is? It was a. Could have been a finger fracture. Mm, if it's something like we're just like. I don't oh, think it was just, arm like, related. Um. Yeah. So I guess that does change things. Let's see. Left hand issue. Middle finger sprain. That's not ideal. 
So, I mean, not ideal, Excellent. but I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see. He's also, he has a lot of control too. So I don't know if he yeah, necessarily, uh, cause all right. Relievers, I'm always fine with selling high. Just because oh, dude, yeah. They, so most, of, most of the time they don't like, they don't work out. The Rays traded their closer back in the day, Emilio Pagan for Manuel Margot. And everyone was like, what, what are you doing? Padres? Yeah. And so Pagan, uh, regressed a little bit and Margot has been one of the key contributors for the team since then. So that was pretty cool. All right, Cubbies. Uh, this will make up the majority of the segment. Uh, I have four names here. I'm missing one bullpen guy. I know that much. So we have Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I'm assuming that's all. There, who was the other? Uh, the para. Yeah. Yeah, but that guy definitely used fucking spider tech, so he's yes. yeah, he's been so, trash he's been since that. so bad. <laughs> like the first game back, he gave up like eight runs against the Brewers, and I was just like, yeah, for sure. You had your first good season, like <laughs> it was so obvious. Chris Bryant, I'm saying the New York Mets. That's my number one destination for him, but that's just I just have a feeling, no reason for that. I so I saw a tweet last night. Um, Bryce Harper, as some of you might know, Chris Bryan and Bryce Harper grew up playing together. They're both from Las Vegas. They've always kind of flirted with the idea of playing with each other. Bryce Harper used a bat last night that said Chris Bryant, Chicago Cubs. And, I mean, they have Alec Baum, who's made his way into the majors, was a top prospect. And... I think the only way that they would make this deal is if they know for sure Chris Bryant would re-sign with them in the offseason and then you can move bomb and not have to necessarily give up a ton. And, I mean, you arguably don't have to give up bomb in that situation because Chris Bryant can literally play every position except catcher. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I th- I just think with all these Cubs guys that we don't think that we're not going to get the return that we think we should just with how valuable they've been to our team. You know, a lot of these guys have had down years the last few years. I think the only real one that will get a massive return on is Kimbrel. He's got two years. Well, this, the rest of this year and then another year on his contract, he's absolutely dominant. Um, I think we'll get a lot for him, but with all these rental players um, like Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, I think we'll definitely get something back for him just because of the caliber of players they are, but having them for half a year, um, I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see what teams are willing to give up. I think the only two that I feel confident saying that they're gone – are Brian and Kimbrell. I guess mm-hmm. Tapara if we want to include him. Um, I think there's a realistic shot that Baez and Rizzo finish out the season in Chicago. Now, what they do from that point, I'm not sure. Uh, it's just for Rizzo specifically, he's uh, kind of cooled off recently. Um, and as a first baseman too, it's a little difficult to really sell that one. Um, not sure how many teams are necessarily looking for first basin i know boston red comes up Sox. To me. Yeah, yeah boston but like i don't i don't think he would be 
all that much better than what they're going to be putting there. Like, I, I feel as if you could get Dahlbeck? a guy who, who's there. Uh, so it's Dahlbeck and then Arroyo has been playing over there too. Um, I'd take Rizzo over both of them. I, I would take him over both of them, but I think there are going to be cheaper first base options on the market that would make more sense for them because you don't need a world beater over there. Uh, like you, I said a few weeks ago, like Freddie Freeman would be awesome going over there. No shot that happens anymore, and there's no there's no need for it. Um, I don't know. I think Bryant and the Mets or the Phillies would be awesome. Uh, that would be sick. But other than those two teams, bro, it's the Mets. I already told you. Yeah, I just I have a feeling, and the feeling's <laughs> correct. The Phillies one. What you brought up some good points there, Kylie. The baseball bat. That that seems that seems pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think bias because could also go to the Mets. I don't I don't know why. I'm just feeling everybody <laughs> from the Cubs to the Mets. Yeah, yeah I think I don't Kimbrel, know who Kimbrel wants. I don't, most, bro. I would hate if bias. I was a contender and I was like, oh wow, we just got a hobby bias. I'd be pissed. That's a hard sell, I think. Bias. Yes, uh, it's just so like he's good on defense, but like his bat is just so fucking annoying. Like it's either like, yeah, so. On Rizzo, my argument, he's a gold glove caliber first baseman. Um, He, you know, his numbers aren't the best hitting right now, but he's always – he always gives you a good at bat. He always pushes the counts. Um, He's super clutch. Whenever there's a big situation and he's up, he usually comes through. And, I mean, just along with his defense, and I think lefty bats are more valuable. Um, that's just why I think he'll still have some value there. I think Javi's definitely a tough sell. He's great defensively. He checks out at times. Um, he's He's got good production, but the average in the strikeouts just have to be scaring away some teams, I think. If Anthony Rizzo didn't play in the NL Central, I think the Brewers would be really in on him. We need a first baseman so bad, but there's no chance that the Brewers trade anybody to the Cubs, and there's no chance the Cubs trade yeah. the Brewers. Yeah. Uh, some One thing I saw, it didn't name specific players, but it said, because we traded Aloy Jimenez to the White Sox, I saw mm-hmm. that we get Aloy Jimenez back and we trade two of these four or five back to the White Sox. I don't know. I don't they didn't that. name specific who, but, I mean, I would do that. I'd get Aloy back for whoever. It would be, I would assume, either Kimbrel Bryant or Kimbrel Baez, just yeah. because they have that. It would be Kimbrel Baez, I bet, because, one, bullpen, obviously, you always want to improve that. And, two, that middle infield has been torn up by injuries. And there are, like, plug-and-play opportunities there. Um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think Bryant would make a lot of sense because he could play in the outfield where Jimenez was. So, Well, they have Robert coming back. So I don't necessarily yeah. think they need out- – and outfielders you can get a dime a dozen. Yeah, I, I think, think that Kimbrough, was – I think – go ahead. I think that was probably just a Chicago beat writer looking for a headline. But mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting I when I saw it. I think Kimbrell ends up on the Dodgers if we're talking about fits for Kimbrell. Uh, they need to – Jansen's been pretty – he's been good, don't get me wrong, but he's been pretty inconsistent. And besides uh, Jansen, they'd kind of need another one or two high-leverage type guys. In that bullpen, I know that they're trying to bolster it, and 
like I said, the Dodgers always have a great farm system, so I could see them giving up a few things for Kimbrel. It just seems like a very Dodgers move. I like Kimbrel to the – well, so I think Dodgers are certainly an option. I think they're going to be a lot more locked in on Scherzer and maybe like a – if you could get a Scherzer-Trey Turner combo deal and give up Kbert Ruiz and some other pieces there, I think that's Bro. the way that they absolutely – A Trey Turner – like a Trey Turner-Max Scherzer deal would be like – one of the biggest hauls, I think, ever. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to include May in there. You'd have to include Kbert Ruiz and then some. Um, like Gavin Lux? I don't even think you'd have to send Lux the other way necessarily. It would be – I think you would go younger than Lux. Um, mm. you'd, you'd have to get rid of the farm. But uh, I think Kimbrel, the Astros, too, are another – very, very large contender for that. I don't know true, the farm true, true, true. I don't know the farm situation with them. I think they could be very easily outbid. But uh yeah, on to some other uh less notable ones. Uh we have Trey Mancini here. I'm kind of leaning towards at this point that he's gonna end up staying. I haven't really heard much of the uh much discussions really about Trey here. I think he if he does move, I think the Brewers would be a perfect spot for him. Like I just said, we need first base help, and our outfield is always injured. So I wouldn't – oh, here we go. We just got a Mariners breaking news update. The Mar- Mariners just acquired a reliever and Abraham Toro from the Astros. Breaking news from Chris Lewis, a.k.a. Seattle. Of course. I don't That's know pretty how of a listener, but a listener. Oh, my. Wow, they gave up Kendall Graveman. Oh. And Rafael Montero. Oh, that's actually – that's a lot. Yeah, what? I wonder if that reliever's any good. Um, Joe Smith isn't. Interesting. Yeah, Joe Smith isn't that good. Um, <laughs> anyway, live news. Update. That's a weird one. Mariners confirmed buyers slash sellers. I'm not really sure. That was a that, weird one because they're in division. That's a freeing up space for something move to me. That's got to be it. Who did you say? Graveman and who? Montero? Yeah, Graveman and Montero. So, reliever and... Is Graveman a reliever? Yes. Or is he a starter? So, two, they gave up two relievers? Yeah. Graveman's, or Gra- yeah, Graveman's a reliever. He's a back end of the bullpen guy. Um, Montero is... Also a reliever. He was pretty electric for them, too. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was having, having a good season. They were was both having huh. pretty good years. Graveman's biggest thing was him being an anti-vaxxer. Uh, so, Kylie, if you missed it, uh, Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero just got traded from the Mariners to the Houston Afros for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. So, what? Yeah, I don't under. That has to be clearing the way for other things. That's a. Emerald? Yeah, I, no, I don't think so. But that's a head scratcher <laughs> to me. Um, well, that just lost all my value on. Uh... Graveman, I've got him on my fantasy team. See a value. I don't know about <laughs> that though, because Houston's Houston needs bullpen. I would say more than more than anything. Like the back end of that Houston bullpen has really been in a. You think he'd be their closer? I think he'll be a back end guy. Yeah, so long as he doesn't get COVID for the fifth time. <laughs> um, I know Texas has been pretty bad down there, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's uh, wild. I know well, Toro's a pretty decent prospect, but like, it's not. Yeah, Seattle's not happy about it, and I can't really blame him. All things considered, I mean uh, that's so, 
That's yeah, arguably their top two bullpen arms right now, isn't it? Yeah. The Mariners? Yeah. Well, they and have they, uh, Seawald. Seawald's been good for them, too. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely a weakening move. That's tough. I don't know. I don't so, really get it. They, it be, obviously, they're doing more than just that. Yeah. So Could it be yeah. uh, freeing up uh, some sort of space for a guy yeah. like Whit Merrifield, perhaps? Yeah. That or does this is, close the door? No, I think – I mean, they want Whit Merrifield. It's not like – I don't think that move was ever going to be – like what they just traded, that was never going to go to the Royals. So, but the, did you see what the GM of the Royals said today? Yeah. I'm going to pull up the quote. You guys can talk about it. Talk about Whit. I like I like with the idea of him going to uh, Seattle. I really enjoy that one. Um, it's I'm still trying to digest the Mariners trade. Honestly, <laughs> that is such a head scratcher. Uh, I think Wit's market has to be really really good right now. Like I don't think you're gonna find us. I've I've loved him as a player for a long long time now. Uh, it's very hard for me to see like him having a higher value. I think I found the trade. It's a I can't I can't predict the future, but certainly won't be traded at the deadline. We need him in our city and our on our team. Is that the... that is not what I, no? So what I was saying was mm-hmm. I like the talent we have on our team. He says he's focused on making the team better for 2022 and would need to be overwhelmed to move a core piece for 2022. Yep. So if I'm if I'm a Seattle fan, that doesn't really strike me as very positive news in terms of getting with Parafield. So I, I think they're probably, they're probably going to stay put with that. Unfortunately. Yeah. That annoys get me wit, too. Get Wit on a good team, please. I like Wit. Do they really think be, they're going to be contending like next year? I mean, that's what every GM's going to say. Yeah. He's not going to be like, we suck. We're going to suck until 2028. I mean, that, that team's so frustrating. Like they have, I think they're a few pieces away. Um, they've got like they have Bobby Witt Jr. coming up through the system really fast too. Um, Modesty's always injured and hardly held together at this point, seemingly. And I, there's really been no indication that that's going to change. Um, there's a few pieces that they have too, like Barlow. I think could fetch some fetch some value. Stamon out of the back end of their bullpen, and then you well, have, they also guy have Perez. Like, I, yeah, they trade him. No shot they trade him. Exactly. They have um, a good core. Like they have enough pieces where they should be at least okay. Yeah, and they have these other pieces too where you could give away and replace them with maybe less value short term, but long term set your set yourself up better with like Danny Duffy. Um mm-hmm. that's that's been one of the names that's been floated here or there. But I think with that news, you know, Wit is uh he's saying at this point, I think that kind of closes the case on that one. Um, and if you do want him, you're going to have to give up, like, I would say more than more than you would probably be comfortable doing. Not that he's not a good player. I think he's a phenomenal player, and given a better situation, will improve. But it's going to cost a lot more now. So we, um, have, we have three players left on this list here. Uh, to me, I, maybe Kimrel cracks the top three, but Kind of the top three most impactful here. Uh, started off, Starling Marte, outfielder, Miami Marlins, Florida Marlins, I think, at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, Florida Marlins he at plays, this point. He plays for the team that he's going to be going to his farm system right now. He's going he's gonna to be a Yankee, I think. Okay. That's just my opinion. I The Yankees need all the help they can get, and I think Marte fits a lot of the boxes. They're, <laughs> the Yankees are so bad at hitting for some reason, and Marte is just a, a great all-around player. He's – he can do a little bit of everything, and he's been 
He's been having a great season. Uh, and I think the Yankees are going to overpay for him. Due to be a free agent this offseason as well. Uh, the other name for that team, too, is uh, Adam Duvall, yeah. another guy that mm-hmm. they could end up moving on for. I feel so bad for the Marlins because I can't help but think that they're on the cusp, especially given that division. Um, it's, you know, looking at their division, I don't think maybe the Mets will have like the long-term success there, but one, it's the Mets and two, that's not, it's not enough for them to be like, okay, we either need to go all in now or we're screwed. Cause like they have a good young rotation. They have entertaining young pieces. So I feel like it's only really a matter of time here before uh, they get the show on the road. But he's a, uh, I think he's as good as gone as well. Um, I don't know if I like the uh, like the Yankee fit necessarily. I understand. What about that. the Giants? I like that one a little better. Um, I think that's the type of guy that the Giants could afford to. You know, yeah. And I don't mean afford in a salary sense. I mean just in a giving up prospects. He would be a very Giants-like player. I think uh, Duggar is the starting center fielder for that team right now. Um, he's been having a kind of sneaky good season, but not necessarily someone that you want to have to rely on. So, yeah, Duggar's batting 284 right now. I think he would be an immediate upgrade over them, but you could platoon him. You could move him around the outfield too as needed. He's good enough, I would say, to play left field. I don't think he's going to take you set- – Yastrzemski's spot and right. Um, I like that Giants fit, though. I think that's definitely my favorite one out of all of them. Also, uh, another little trivia piece here. Uh, Mikey Yastrzemski, how old do you think he is? He's old. He's like 29, 30. He is 30 years old. Found that uh, little tidbit out the other day. We're going to skip ahead here. We've got uh, two left. I'm going to spend the majority of time on the last one. Trevor Story, moving or staying. Just for the trade deadline, we're not going to talk past them. Uh, I, I think, think he stays yeah. for some reason. What were you saying, Ben? I think Did you got to move him. I think you got to move him. The Rockies are trash. Yeah, I can. Uh, I think he stays uh, just because they won't get enough value to justify moving him. Um, I also think they overvalue him a lot. Yes. I agree with that. It's to me, I would have more, uh, I would almost feel more comfortable trading for Javi at this point than Trevor's story. Not I, be, I think Trevor's like the better player, but I just feel as if Javi, you know, he's going to give you the glove on your fans are going to enjoy him no matter what. Whereas with yeah. Trevor, I think he'll have, he'll have those sorts of, uh, challenges. Um, I'm reading Passan again. So Mariners are far from done. They're still looking to add players and could be very active in the next 72 hours. So just simply uh, tweaking things, I guess, a little bit. Finally, we are going to end it off with this one. Max Scherzer. I did not think we would ever be having this conversation, frankly, with Max Scherzer being on the move. I thought the Nationals team was going to be good enough to really stick it out, but evidently they're not. Um, So where does Mad Max end up? I really like the Giants fit. I think with kind of how their season's going and they, as good as they are, they still like aren't pulling away, which in any other division they'd be pulling away pretty much. 
Um, I think, I mean, I don't really know what their farm system looks like, but he would definitely be in a great addition to add for a postseason push. I'm assuming they're probably going to at least ride it out to make at least make the playoffs. Um, he'll be your first game starter, uh, which is usually an important game. And um, I mean, I never really thought about the Giants before until I saw the list that were in on him. And I really like that fit. I just they, they've been playing really good, but I just don't see like the kind of star power there. And I think he would add that for him. I think the Red Sox have a really good – like, they're another one. I'm, I've said it for every pitching or starting pitcher that we've said, but I think Scherzer to the Red Sox, if Sale comes back at even close to what he's supposed to be, uh, a Scherzer-Sale 1-2 is the best in baseball by a decent amount, I'd say. So, yeah, I think that's, that's like a – if they make that move, the Red Sox, I think that throws them into, the, like, conversation for, like, favorites to at least make it out of the – AL, if not win the World Series, because that one-two is would would be insane. I know AIDS. I, actually, are you going to talk about the Rays? Because yeah. I feel like this is a no no-brainer with the Rays with the so system. You guys, have. I think the only reason Max Scherzer does not end up a Tampa Bay Ray is because he executes his ten-five rights and no trade clause to prevent himself from going to Tampa because he wants to be on the West Coast. Um. The Rays have more to offer than any team, and they would do it immediately as well. I think the Dodgers will have potentially some sort of reservations about getting him just because of the luxury tax implications that picking him up would have. But I I think really it's it's got to be the Rays to me. Um, it seems as if they're willing to open the checkbook. You have all the prospects necessary to move on to him. You have a clear need as well, and he's gone after this season. Um, if not Tampa... I'm going to go with either the Dodgers or the Padres um, leaning kind of towards the Padres here. I think in a Scherzer deal, you might be able to just due to a bidding war type deal, you might be able to move Hosmer back the other way and include two of those big four prospects in a Scherzer deal, assuming that the Nationals were able to take on Hosmer's contract as well, which I don't think they would be too beat up about so yeah it's a lot's going on uh we'll uh we'll find out apparently the mariners clubhouse is melting down over graveman getting traded so that just came out uh <laughs> news did not go over well in the mariners clubhouse in regards to the graveman trade <laughs> so seattle's imploding now uh i said that they were gonna have to go for it because they've been talking about it and uh <laughs> so, uh, we should, for Seattle's sake, we should probably end the podcast at this point. It's been about an hour, and we don't want them to continue blowing it up in this weird roundabout way. So, that is all the time we have. Uh, next episode, we'll be doing a trade deadline recap as well as the NBA draft, which is two days from now. So, yeah, in the meantime, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you guys next week. Bye bye.